the house of God. Jordan, I see your guitar playing has improved. One day you might be as good as me. Me and Jordan are actually uh, brothers in love, uh, brothers in law. Um, and uh, we married sisters, uh, which is fantastic. We are best friends. And Geordie is nearly as good a guitarist as me. I go down in history for Uni Hill um, as playing the most historic and remembered guitar note. Um, you know you played a bad note when you look up the back and Daniel Andrews is laughing his head off. Um, but it was a historic note. It was a jazz note. Let's put it that way. It was the ultimate brown note. Um, it, it wasn't a blues note. It was just more brown. It's that kind of that kind of lovely um, sound to everyone's ears. Now, to be fair, I think in that service everybody played a wrong note at the same time. It was just me who was the loudest. I may have actually played a correct note. I just want to put it out there, and I don't think I did though. No one knew what they were doing. So speaking of uh, brown things. I'm not going to talk about toilet paper, just in case you think I was going to go there. But speaking of brown things, I'm not much of a gardener. Is anyone here really into gardening? Yeah, some people are really into gardening. You can come see me after the service if you'd like a bit of a hobby job um, around my house. Uh, I'm quite happy for people who love gardening to come now. Andy, I saw that you put up your hand. You, you've sucked yourself in now. I'm going to beeline towards you after the service just so I can get my garden looking a bit better. My garden is um, the, the overwhelming uh, feeling I think you get when you go into my garden is that of brown. It's, a, it's an overwhelming mission brown feel. Um, there is not a plant that I have known that I haven't been able to kill. Um, even unkillable plants I've managed to kill. My mum lied to me um, and told me that succulents were very hard to kill. I think that is untrue. Um, they're very easy to kill. If you water them too much, they die. Here is this stupid little plant that I'm trying to keep alive. I love it too much. And what happens? Love kills it. The plants I love, they die. The plants I don't like, well, they die. We've literally got a, a hedging tree at the moment which has pulled itself up by the roots and is falling over because I'm pretty sure it wants to relocate itself out of my garden. It's looking around going, look what happens to all the other trees that are here. Look what, what happens to all the trees. I want to I get out of here, take them to the neighbours. They have a pristine garden, our neighbours. Um, but here's the, here's the other problem I have. The things that I want to die just won't. I've got these weeds that are up to my shoulders. Oh. Why? Who? Who thought... These trees that are hard to cultivate are the ones that we don't want, and, uh, that we do want, and these really easy to grow things, we call them weeds and they have to be pulled out. 
Someone was a sadist who hated people like me. I cannot keep plants alive. Now, I've spent lots of money trying to, to cultivate lovely gardens. I've discovered there's one plant that I can't kill, and that is devil's ivy. Um, it, it will grow if I overwater it. It'll grow if I don't water it. It'll just keep on growing. Um, when I lived uh, with my uh, mum just before Scout was born with, um, with Chanel, my mum looked after my plants, and that was very good for them. So they're kind of living in a grace period now, having moved out, where they're, they're still alive. But I don't really know all that much about gardening. But here's the thing. When I was a, a kid, I actually used to read all about gardening. Loved it. My parents thought I was a genius, how fooled they were. My parents thought I was a genius because I could name flowers in the, in the local greenery. Um, I was able to to talk about the grevilleas and talk about planting, you know, a, a nashi pear and all these things. I was very, very enthusiastic about gardening. Now, my mum, a very encouraging mum, thought I was a genius for that. Really, I just read Burke's, uh, the guy from, Don Burke's, The Lazy Gardener, over and over and over again. Now, who remembers the book, The Lazy Gardener? Uh, from that book, I learned, don't put down black plastic stuff in your garden and then put and then put your, um, your uh, tan bark over the top. Instead, just uh, put it there and pull out the weeds. What dumb advice, pull out the weeds. He expected far too much from me on that. Reading The Lazy Gardener didn't make me a better gardener. In fact, it was just a prophetic statement about what my future would be like. I am the lazy gardener. But despite, um, despite not being a very good gardener, despite there being a bit of a chasm between practice and knowledge, I learnt a few things about trees in my time. Luckily, I did far better at Bible college than I did at, uh, at gardening. And you know what? Throughout the Bible, we have many examples used by the writers that are agricultural, that use, that use the idea of, of gardening and trees and and what not to describe aspects of uh, uh, who God is and the way God works and how we work as people. In Colossians 2, verses 6 to 8, So then, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with, with thankfulness. This verse that is our, our theme verse for the year, uh, being rooted, going deeper uh, with Jesus. This is a picture that harkens back to, to Old Testament examples, uh, examples of firm foundations that used uh, words like foundations or roots. Uh, often when we, when we read... Um, these Old Testament examples of, uh, of, of roots is talking about firm foundations. You find it in places like Isaiah using an oak to denote strength. You find uh, it in places like Song of Songs. You find pomegranates used to describe things. You, you can read it for yourself. 
It is my personal favorite book of the Bible. As, I, as I, I've had to read it online because the pages have started falling out and that. Chanel really loves it when I read her from, uh, verses from Song of Songs. Um, I asked Jordan if I could uh, read a passage uh, from Song of Songs at his wedding, uh, but he said no. Um, I'm not sure why. Uh, I like the sensuality of it. You find pictures of grass and, and fruit trees and whatnot to pull out and expound who God is. And Paul does the same in Colossians. He uses the picture of roots and he uses uh, the same sort of terminologies uh, that would have been heard in the Old Testament to describe a truth about worshipping God, about following God, about growing in God. And for all my bad gardening, and there's a lot of it, there's a lot of proof that I'm a bad gardener. For all my bad gardening, I know one thing, that large trees need large root systems. I went to the uh, botanical gardens a few years back and I was walking through admiring uh, the wonderful um, the wonderful gardens there, the, the impressive trees, the, the, um, the different kind of landscapes. You know, you go through and there's, there's the bamboo garden and there's the, the, um, the Australian natives garden and there's the one that you go out and, and you sit next to the lake. Me and Jordan have gone and sat next to the lake together before, had a picnic. Um, yeah, it, it was lovely. Um, <laughs> I mean... There, there, there's, it's a lovely place to, to hang out. And one of the trees that I find really impressive in uh, the botanical gardens is the Moreton Bay fig. Who here has seen a Moreton Bay fig before? Had, had a look at them. They're impressive trees, right? They're huge. They're trees that are, that are like um, that scene in Jurassic Park where they climb up the tree and they're sitting on the, the branch and the Brachiosaurus comes up and sneezes on them. That kind of tree, it looks like a Jurassic Park tree. And that's exactly what I was thinking as I was standing underneath this massive thing. This is like the tree from Jurassic Park. I mean, the root system is gigantic. The roots are, are seemingly coming out above the ground. We've gone to the next slide a bit early, but that's okay. You can, you can see what's coming up. It's all, it's all good. Um, we have these large trees that have gigantic root systems. In fact, there is a Moreton Bay fig on Lord Howe Island that has an estimated one hectare root system. One hectare. So the root systems of these trees are massive. Everything around them gets pushed out. Now, in my poor gardening, when I was um, trying to decide what kind of tree I should plant in the backyard of of the, the ha house I built a number of years ago, I thought about these giant, beautiful trees. I thought, you know, I'd love to plant one of them in my backyard. I went to the nursery, said, oh, I want to put a Morton Bay fig in my backyard. He said, in a pot? No, no, in, the back, in my backyard. He said, if you do that, the tree's going to rip up your foundations. It's going to destroy your house. That is how powerful the root systems of these massive trees are. They're big, they're imposing. The roots are holding them deep into the ground. But on the other side of trees, the, 
the opposite of these massive, imposing Morton Bay figs are what? Bonsai. The opposite. They're tiny. They're cute. You can put them on their t- your table. You can water them if you want. I prefer not to, just to see what will happen. You keep them there. You, you look at their, their beauty. You admire the, the cuteness. If you're, if you're really uh, smart, you can get a little person. You can put it sitting underneath the tree, reclining, maybe a little picnic table, having a little picnic. Very cute. Lovely. I think we should do that, Chanel. Make a little, little world on our table. Picnics. We can put me and Scout and you together. We'll have a picnic together, but in miniature form. The absolute opposite. But the thing about bonsais, right, is they're deliberately stunted. There are trees that have been stopped uh, from growing. The, the roots are cut. The, the branches are pruned. Uh, it's planted in a shallow pot so the root can never go deep. Uh, the DNA of that bonsai tree is actually exactly the same, exactly, perfectly the same as a tree that is full size. A bonsai apple tree is actually, at a DNA level, exactly the same as a mature, full-grown apple tree. And you know what? These giant Morton Bay figs that are so imposing, that are so impressive, that are, that are such a, a wonderful thing to look at and go, wow, how magnificent is that, are actually a really common bonsai tree. You walk past them every time you walk past that table in Northland that has the bonsai trees all over it. They're Morton Bay figs. You see the ones with their roots hanging out the, the, the top and they look, they look really interesting. Those little ones, those tiny little trees, they're Morton Bay figs. And their DNA is exactly the same as a giant, imposing tree. And you know what? It might seem pretty awesome that you can have this gigantic tree that looks like it's out of Jurassic Park sitting on your kitchen table with a little picnic underneath it. But for all of the novelty novelty of having a Morton Bay fig sitting on your bench, it's not the real thing. It's not how it was intended to be. It is not how God created that tree to be. And although it looks lovely, although it appears just like the real thing, although it looks mature, only tiny, it it doesn't behave like the real thing at all. In reality, it comes with a raft of issues. Bonsai trees easily become root-bound and are therefore fragile. They're very fragile. If you water them too much, they're going to be waterlogged and die. If you don't tend to their roots often and cut their roots down, they're going to get root-bound and die. They're a tree and they're they're in my house. They're going to die. Bonsai trees can produce fruit. They can produce fruit, but it's only relative to their size. Can you imagine the size of a fig on a bonsai tree? It's not very nourishing. You're not exactly going to go up to it and, mmm, that's dinner tonight. It's going to make jam. Very small amount. It's going to be about a thimble worth, but delicious. They can produce fruit. It looks like they're producing fruit. Again, it looks cute, 
but it's not really producing enough fruit to nourish people, is it? It's not producing enough fruit to sell or anything like that. It's just relative to their tiny size. And bonsai trees, from one perspective, can look like mature trees. In fact, there's a lot of photos on the internet of people getting their bonsai tree, putting a photo behind it of a, of a forest or, or getting the perspective right so it looks like they've got this gigantic mature tree in their backyard and then changing the perspective and look, it's just my tiny bonsai. And from that perspective of the photo, it can look like a mature tree but it's really stunted. It's a stunted tree that looks mature does not grow. And it occurred to me, the comparison that these two trees have, the awesome Morton Bay fig and their tiny bonsai counterparts, it's the way that we can often be in our own Christian walk. We can cut the roots of ourselves or others through empty tradition. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, following on from the verses that we're talking about, about going deeper, it says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. These Things that are grown on Christ, they have a deep root. Things that are grown in Christ have a deep root. Anything else is planted shallow and it won't produce fruit or even become all that God has designed it to be. We instead become constricted by hollow philosophies and traditions, by spiritual forces of the world. It doesn't produce deep roots. Consider this. A depth of spiritual root, being rooted deep in Jesus, unconstricted by empty tradition, produces a strong, mature, and fruitful Christian life. A bonsai, on the other hand, is manufactured because of its deliberately crafted shallow roots. It's fragile, and it produces vastly less fruit, and although appearing mature, is actually tiny. We can be more like a bonsai, not rooted deep in Christ, but a Christian who remains in a small pot called empty tradition, not rooted deeply in Christ, but only casting our roots out on the surface. We're deprived of enough nourishment. We're deprived of enough sustenance to grow to the fullness of God's design. And we don't have the room that's necessary for fruit-bearing and growth, yet we're content in our little pots. We're content in it. We're happy in the little pot, getting by with little to no food, reliant on a drop of water every now and then from the negligent householder. A Sunday service, a quick prayer before a meal, reading the Word of God, but only if we have time, getting into study and meditation on God's word only if the child hasn't harassed my day and taken it totally to uh, where it shouldn't have gone. I'm understanding that. It's the best way of putting it. My day has gone to where it shouldn't have gone and that is to nowhere. 
I wanted to play Xbox, but here I am, covered in vomit, rocking a baby. But all of this stuff, if it's become empty tradition, it's stunting our growth. We often think it's enough just to tend to our Christian walk. We look like a mature Christian, yet our stature is small. It's like a bonsai. And I'm pretty sure that's how the enemy would like to keep us. But God has not designed us to stunt our growth. God has not designed us to keep it small, play it small, be invisible, have faux humility, look like nothing is happening in the world. God has not designed it for you to play it small. In Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3, the very verses that Jesus unrolls in the temple to proclaim the start of his ministry, speak of growing and flourishing to display God's splendor. Let me read it to you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for all who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair and they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You, you were made you were created, you were knitted together in your mother's womb, not to be as small as you possibly can, but to live to your full potential. And why? So you can say how magnificent you are, how great you are, how good a guitarist Nathan is, all those things. Is that what you were created to do? No, you were created to flourish, to display God's splendor, His splendor. You know, the giant... Morton Bay fig is a commanding sight, but the tiny Morton Bay figs, the bonsai Morton Bay figs, are walked past every day in shopping centres by people who do not care about bonsai. And there's a lot of people who don't care about plants. But even if you don't care about a plant and you come across this gigantic, imposing, huge tree, it's impossible not to stop and say, my goodness. Isn't that magnificent? It's impossible not to look at and glorify who God is, his creation, when we look at these magnificent things. God has called us to grow in him, to glorify and point to him. He's called us to display God's goodness through how we live. And if we're going to grow to display God's splendor, then our root system had better be in the right place. Our root system needs to be deep. Our root system needs to be wide. Our root system needs to be unconstrained by empty religion that's going to just hold our roots down and cause us not to be mature. 
thing is about deep root systems is they provide strength. Deep-rooted trees are strong. They can weather storms, just as those who are deeply rooted in Christ can weather the storms of life. When I was a, a young pastor, maybe about 22, 23, um, a man actually gave a word over, over my life. And um, his word was, Nathan, you're like an oak. You're big. That's true. You're imposing. I guess that's also true. People look at you and go, wow, that is a big tree, but your root system is shallow. And you're a danger as long as those roots don't go deep. Fast forward to five years, going through a huge, the biggest storm of my life. What happens? My whole life tips over. I'm uprooted, out of Jesus. Living unplanted, without my roots in the ground. You know, there's many people in here who could, you know, testify to the way I was behaving or maybe have lived a life in the same way of witness that happening. Larger trees with shallow roots are dangerous. A big tree with a shallow root is dangerous. In the middle of a storm, it could fall on a house, on a car, on a person. I was like a tree with shallow roots, concerned about stature, but not depth. We can want the pulpit. We can want to preach. We can want to be people of influence. But if we want to grow in influence, we need to grow in depth, rooted in Christ Jesus. We need to let our roots go deep not have shallow roots, not try and take shortcuts, not try and just fertilize it into growth. When people are growing and they're not anchored to Jesus or they have very shallow roots, they become an accident waiting to happen. And the storm of life will easily uproot them. You know, deep root systems provide fruitfulness. There is an adage, the healthier the roots, the healthier the fruits. Actually, I think it's a song by Dolly Parton. I don't know if she's very good at gardening, but she's probably better than me. The deeper we stretch into Christ, the more fruit we'll produce. The more nutrients our root system provides the branches of the tree. The bonsai produces very little fruit. But a full-sized tree will produce much more. If you plant a tree into dense clay soil and the root system cannot move out of where it's in, it's not going to be a fruitful tree. It's going to end up fruitless. It's going to be an ornament. It's going to be something to look at. I planted a pear tree, actually a few pear trees, in my backyard. And... Um, not one of them gave me fruit because I had to dig into the ground through the clay with a uh, crowbar because it was so dense, digging through rock. It was essentially a pot. As I, as I say all of these things, Chris Valentine's probably having conniptions, all of the uh, really bad gardening stories of Nathan. But I dug down into this clay. I'm like, got to get these pears in. 
you know what, over five years, you know how many pears those trees gave me? Whoop. Absolutely zero. They become root bound. They become unable to draw nutrients out of the soil. And we know when we're talking about depth of root stretching into Jesus Christ, that if we're not connected to Jesus Christ, uh, we won't produce fruit. It is connection, connection to the vine, connection to Jesus that produces fruit in our life. And if we're not producing fruit, then all we are is an ornament, something to look at. Deep root systems provide maturity. A mature tree, a tree that had reached its full height and potential is one that has free roots, not root-bound roots. In order to grow to maturity, the, tr- the roots of a tree need to stretch out. Pot-bound trees, trees grown in pots, will never reach their full potential. They'll re- remain in the juvenile stage. They'll not produce as much fruit as their mature, root-free cousins that are planted in the ground. People who don't grow in maturity, who are pot-bound, who are not connected to Jesus, who don't grow in maturity, never reach their full potential. We all know someone like that, that has great potential. The ability to do great things for God, but their immaturity continues to hold them down, stunt them from growing. In Psalm 1, we read about the tree that is planted by streams of water. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You know, Jewish readers of this passage, what are they thinking of when they're hearing this? They're thinking of the law. They're thinking of the Torah. They're thinking of what Greg spoke about a few weeks ago. They're thinking of the Shema. That that is what they're thinking of when they're reading this. Uh, That firm foundations and flourishing roots come from following the law, meditating the law. But as Christians, as we live in a in a a season of grace that we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, we read Psalm 1 and we don't read it with the Torah in mind. We read it with Jesus in mind because we know that he is the living water with whom we stretch our roots into. Being planted in Jesus is the best place to flourish. Paul understands firm foundations come not from the Torah, but from Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus. The fullness that is in Jesus is diametrically opposed to the empty traditions of men. And as time went on, that's what the law became. It became empty traditions. The law was imposed on people. It put heavy burdens on people. It constricted people's growth. The traditions of men, they are carnal and worldly. They point to self and not to Christ. These empty traditions are shallow and they don't result in growth. 
a man in my in my church in the east, which is going really well, by the way. Uh, I'd like to generally give a bit of a report about east. It is growing. The spirit in the room is is vastly different at this point of time. We are we are going to see uh, great things happening in the east. But this this fellow Shane Varco, he said to me, he came up to me after the service one day and challenged me. Says, you know, sometimes we talk about God tending to our life. We simply want God to tend to our current situations, but God doesn't want to tend to it. He wants to transform it. God wants to transform us, not from the top of the tree, but from the roots. God wants for our good and his glory to tend to our pot-bound roots and free them. He doesn't want us to remain shallow. He wants us to go deeper. He wants us to grow into the fullness of what he intended. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be a blessing to those around us. The Colossian church was being deceived by a heresy. People were adding to the fullness that was already in Jesus, trying to explain it or understand Jesus through the lens of Gnosticism and other philosophies common to the ancient world. That's why Paul writes, see to it no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. If we are not deep-rooted in Christ, we are at risk of being deceived by hollow philosophies common to our time. Spiritual forces are empty traditions. Paul's answer to safeguard from deception was be deep-rooted in Christ. Jesus wants us to grow in him. He wants us to lay down our roots into him, to nourish ourselves from him spiritually. It doesn't matter how long we've been pop-bound or away from the nourishment that Jesus provides. He wants us to plant ourselves in him so we can experience fullness of life. What a wonderful term. What a wonderful concept. Not simply surviving on the dregs of soil that's left over in the pot, but growing deeply into Christ and experiencing life as all it can be because he is the one who nourishes us and brings us life. And how do we do that? Well, Greg said it a few weeks ago, by worshipping him with all of our muchness. Someone tells us that the prosperity and happiness of the righteous depends upon finding delight in the Lord's Torah. How is such delight to be found? For the Jewish writer, it's achieved by constant meditation on the Torah, which is God's instruction. As instruction, it contains guidance from the Creator as to the meaning of creation. Life is lived in futility if its fundamental purpose is never discovered. And for the Jewish person, the meaning of life, fundamental meaning, is found in the Torah. It governs healthy growth. It is a preeminent thought in every area of life. But for us, Jesus becomes the fullness of the law, the fulfillment of the law. And for Paul, we become established, deeply rooted, flourishing when we put aside empty traditions, worldly living, and find our fundamental purpose in life to consider Jesus first in every area so we may be deep-rooted in Jesus Christ, worshipping him with everything we have, our time, our money, our work, our voice, the way we speak, the way our marriage works, the way we share Jesus, the way we spend time in prayer, with all of our muchness, with every area of our life. That's how we go deeper 
worshipping Jesus, who is God in all of his fullness, with all of our muchness. If the Torah was God's instruction, worshipping Christ Jesus as Lord is the fullness of God. Let me simplify this to its most basic form. If you come to church and worship God and then the rest of your week doesn't give him a second thought, then it's all purely mechanical tradition. Then you have become, now if Greg gets to think of theological terms in muchness, I want to coin a sociological term. You've become a bonsai Christian. The bonsai Christian lives with their fundamental purpose undiscovered, pop-bound, stunted. Instead of casting their roots deep into Jesus, they live on the surface. And being a follower of Jesus, if going deeper with him only registers to what we're doing on a Sunday, then you have missed the point. We've become pop-bound. We'll never reach our full potential. As Christians, we need to be out of the pot, spreading our roots deep and wide beyond the limitations that we often place on our worship of Jesus. We often think of worship not as everything that we do in every area of our life, but what we do here on Sunday before the preaching after the fast praise song. And if that's your thought of worship, if we expect to go deeper with God, it's got to be be beyond Sunday morning. It's got to be beyond two worship songs on Sunday morning. It's got to be beyond beyond just responding to the preacher. It's got to be just beyond putting on a facade and looking mature, but being tiny, only a perspective of where you are. We need to break out of the pot of empty tradition and stretch our roots deep into living water. Now, that might happen by accident for us in this current season of life that our country and our world is in. If I can get the the band to come up at this point in time. Things are changing very drastically for the Australian church at this point in time. Other parts of the world, church services are not happening at all. In Australia, we're seeing limitations now on where we can gather, and largely this is a, a good thing. We don't want to put the most vulnerable among us at risk. We don't want to put the most vulnerable among us at risk. But if you think that there is some kind of strength to saying, oh, it's so stupid, the church, how's it going to grow if we can't meet together? How do you think churches grow? Do you think it's by flashing lights, marvelous presentations, the music being fantastic. I mean, these things help make a welcoming atmosphere for people. But we grow the church, being planted in Jesus Christ by people observing the fruit of Jesus in our lives, us growing to our full potential. You know, in Iran, you know, we hear a lot about it at the moment because of COVID-19 and how the spread has been happening in Iran. But in Iran, 
people haven't been able to meet together in churches for a very long time. And where they have been, they've been shut down by government regularly. Not because of the government looking out for the well-being of their people, because they're trying to squash Christianity. Because Christians in that country are persecuted for their belief. Do you know where the church is growing quickest in the world? Iran. Unable to meet. Church is shut down for no reason at all. For every pastor who's arrested and put into prison, what does he say? We reach out in love, even when the government says it's wrong. We plant ourselves deep in Jesus, despite what the government might say. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be disobedient as a church and open up when the government says no, because that's absolutely ridiculous. What I am saying is that churches are not going to suffer just because we can't open the doors on a Sunday. Because we are the church. Our community is the church. It's not this building. It's not the wonderful lights. It's not Geordie's below average guitar playing and by below average being Nathan. It's us. It's us reaching out the tendrils of love when we can't reach out and touch hands. We go deeper with Jesus because in Jesus, we have the strength to weather life's storms. We go deeper with Jesus because in Jesus, we produce more fruit. We go deeper with Jesus because in Jesus, we move into maturity. We go deeper in Jesus because in Him, we grow to our full potential and in Him, we become a testament to His splendor. We go deeper because God doesn't want a bunch of ornamental churches that never reach their full potential. God wants oak trees. He wants Morton Bay figs unconstricted by shallow roots. God doesn't want bonsais. He wants your full potential released. He wants your full potential released. And He wants us to break out of what is limiting our growth in Him so that our growth and fruitfulness might exalt His name, exalting His name with what God has done in us. You know the Morton Bay fig? In all of its splendor, and the tiny bonsai, both as a seedling, had exactly the same potential. But where it was planted to find it. The same can be said for us. Although God put the seed of potential in every one of us to live supersized Christian lives that are a testament to God's splendor, too often we live like a bonsai with bonsai sized results something is missing and what's missing is deep roots a root that stretches deep into the holy spirit into the living water and provides a firm foundation for us to grow in and that firm foundation brings capacity for us to weather life's storms without fear to be fruitful and to be mature we become a living testament to Jesus' power, magnificence, and beauty.
It's the way we were designed to live. Jesus isn't satisfied with us living Christian lives that are reminiscent of some countertop shallow ornament that is brought out when it's convenient. God's not waiting on lives that look perfectly manicured or appropriate. He's looking for us to be living lives that are springing forth into massive, immovable, imposing, unable to be hidden testaments to His grace. You can't hide the Morton Bay fig. You can't pick it up and move it. It's immovable where it is and it stands as a testament to its deep roots. As Christians, as we cast our deep roots into Jesus, we stand larger and larger, immovable in God's grace, but a testament to His glory. Jesus is the foundation for a healthy, beautiful life that thrives, that provides strength in the storm, nourishment for a fruitful life. He matures us to become the fullest version of ourselves, but He doesn't just do it so we feel good about ourselves. He does it for a world that needs it, a world that needs us, a world that needs Him, a neighbour of yours, your community, your nation, the countries around the world that needs us to be planted deep in Him. That is what God is setting up when we cast our roots deep into Him, that we would be called oaks of righteousness, planted by Him for the display of His splendour. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and it never fails to produce fruit. The coronavirus might change the way worship looks for a short while, but regardless, let's be anchored deeply in Jesus in this time. Let's extend love for each other, our neighbours, when we can't extend arms. Let's not think that our community is growing deeper. Uh, Let's not think that our community is growing deeper because um, we've got wonderfully polished services. Let's instead understand that going deeper is becoming rooted in Jesus Christ. It's about becoming stronger in faith, fruitful in season and mature in growth because our roots are deeply anchored in Jesus. People who are deeply rooted in Jesus grow in stature so that many may see God through us. A person deeply rooted in Jesus is blessed without fear or worry in the storm or drought, never failing to give fruit. For us, this is the season that we find ourselves in, for better or worse. But let's grow strong, fruitful, mature in every season of life for the good of those around us. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, we just pray for our households, for our church for the churches around the nation, Lord God. We pray for our community, Lord God. We pray for our state and our nation, Lord God. 
We pray for nations around the world. We know this is a difficult season of time, Lord God. It's a difficult season of time for many. But Lord God, we pray that our roots would grow deeper in this time, that we might grow to a large stature, Lord God, so many may see Him, Lord, you, Lord God, so many may see your grace, so many may see your glory, Lord Jesus. Lord God, for those who feel like they may have stunted in growth, for those who feel like their roots are not as deep as they could be, Lord God, we pray that you break off the pot, break off the pot that's constraining their roots, Lord God, and let our roots grow deep so we may be strong, fruitful and mature in you, in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks, Nathan. Come on, let's uh, let's thank Nathan. Why don't you take your, take your seats as well? Just got to do one more thing. Bonsai Christians. That's a great. That's a great sociological phrase. It's almost up there with muchness, Nathan. No, incredible, incredible. Hey, uh, we're going to do our tithes and our offering, and um, I just want to remind you: just if you if you haven't been able to give this week. Uh, there are envelopes in front of you. You can grab one of them now. If you need a pen, put your hand up. 